0: And if you brought your Bible with you today, go ahead and get that out. If you don't have a Bible and have a phone, go ahead and look up with me today. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians, the 15th chapter. We started a new series last week. This will be the second part of this message. And oh, I'm ready to say it. I hope you come ready to hear it, because there is the saying side, I need to do a good job on my, my part of this equation, but the hearer actually greatly um, affects what ultimately happens in a service, and when, when people come ready and open and in faith and expectant and pliable and movable, yeah, by the Lord, then, uh, then, then good things happen, and I preach better to good Listeners. And really, that's the truth. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. uh, Notice with me verse 1. Moreover, brethren, I declare to you the gospel which I preached to you, which also you received and in which you stand, by which also you are saved, if you hold fast that word which I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you, first of all, that which I also received, that. Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures and that he was buried and that he rose again the 3rd day according to the scriptures and, and so I'm zeroing in on just one phrase Christ died for our sins that is a truth that's pretty much uh, you know universally accepted amongst Christians amongst believers that's that's One of the key elements that makes us saved, makes us believers, we believe that he died for our sins. But what I've noticed is that sometimes we have limited that dying for our sins to the forgiveness part, and we've left off the victory, the freedom part. Yes, Jesus died for our sins, so we would not have to suffer The consequences of them, the punishment due a sinful behavior, we get off free as if we'd never done anything wrong. But also, Jesus died so that sin would no longer dominate us. So it wouldn't have dominion, control. It wouldn't, it would no longer keep us bound up, locked in a cage. Is everybody with me today? And there are these two components that are necessary for us to be able to take full advantage of all that he died for. And I don't want one stripe to go to waste. You know, I don't want one nail to go to waste. If he suffered it and he did it on my behalf, I want to take full advantage, okay? And so, of course, heaven is, like, key, and that's the most important thing, forgiveness of sins, receiving eternal life... But I believe that our lives in this life, in this world, are supposed to re- reflect uh, freedom. They are supposed to be a picture of of people that are not just forgive; they're a rascal, but forgiven. But literally, they're now overcomers. They are they live um, they live in victory, uh, and, and so the individual who has uh, you know you may describe your own life and say. Uh, you know, I've received the Lord, I'm, I'm on my way to heaven, but I have trouble resisting temptation. I feel helpless at times. I feel like I can't say no, and I keep falling into the same traps again and again. Um, that's also what the Lord set us free from. Not from being tempted, but, but from being subject to it. Uh, he didn't want us to go through life where we where we continually fall and get up and receive forgiveness and beat our head, self over the head a few times and and then fall again, but, but literally to where we stop falling. And and we need to believe from the get-go that that's a possibility. So, I mean, if someone just says, well, I don't think we could ever go a whole day without sinning, well, that's not true. That's not You won't find that scripture. That even after you're saved, you can never go, because then if you're going to say you can't go a whole day, how about half a day? Could you go half a day? You know, if you can't go half a day, could you go an hour? If you can't do, could you do five minutes? And My, my suspicion is that if I could not sin for five minutes, maybe I could do ten. Maybe I could go an hour. Maybe I could go a whole day. Is the power available? Has God granted grace sufficient not only to forgive me but to elevate my life to where I live victorious over all this junk? I believe that's absolutely the case. And so uh, we're free from the curse. We're free from the bondage of being subject and powerless. Free from the powerlessness to change. And, uh, And I'm thankful for that. How many know grace... The grace of God, which we love so much and we live in, is not divine permission to live an ungodly lifestyle, but rather, it's divine empowerment to overcome. Amen. And so this message, uh, what I've called it, the the title is Forgiven and Free. Forgiven and Free. So many people have, have received forgiveness, and it's real. It's the real deal. They've got it. It's theirs. They are totally forgiven, but not free. Now, positionally in Christ, they are free. But practically speaking, it's a whole other story. Is everybody with me today? Uh, there are two ditches that I've, I can recognize that people get into when it comes to this subject. And how many know if you're driving down the, down a country road, it doesn't matter if you're in this ditch or that ditch. You don't want to be in either ditch. Some people are they're in one ditch celebrating that they're not in the other ditch. Well, at least I'm not like those people they are way off course dude <laughs> you're just in a different ditch let's do everything we can to stay in the middle of the road and understand truth because really the you know the enemy doesn't care which way you get off just get off get off track believe something that's not true if we stay in the middle of the road that's where we're free we can go from here to where we're supposed to be and so i would describe these ditches in this way let me let me give you the first one when it comes to now i'm talking about forgiveness and freedom. So when it comes to sin, the first ditch are the is the group of people that are constantly reminding themselves of sin. They're, they're mindful of it. They're conscious of it. They, they're always thinking about it. They view themselves as, if you were here last week, they view themselves as alive to sin, not dead to it. They think of themselves as a caterpillar, not a butterfly. They're still in the old life mentality. This is an Old Testament uh, mindset that they live in. Even though Jesus has already come, already died and was raised from the dead, they're still thinking and living as if he hasn't come. As if he left them in a sinful condition. Yeah? How many understand there's a difference? When When you hear me say... ...on a regular basis at the end of our service when, when discussing salvation... ...you hear me say, we have all sinned. I say that regularly. We have all sinned. There's a difference in that saying and, and saying we are all sinners. All right? The first one's true. The second is not true. All right, See, we're not all sinners. No, 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 not if you got saved, you're not. It's no longer your nature. It's no longer who you are. Literally, salvation makes you into a brand new person, a new creation in Christ... All right, so uh, not being a sinner is not synonymous with never doing wrong things. It's just not your nature anymore. Yeah, so uh, understand where we're coming from. We're not saying you're a rascal, do better. No, we're saying if you come into Christ, if you receive the Lord, you are a new creation. You're his righteousness. You've been made in his image and his likeness. Live Live like you really are. Conduct yourself in a way that is consistent with God's uh, amazing power that has already been demonstrated in bringing salvation to your life. Okay? And so, uh, if you were were to put all people on the planet into two categories, and from, you know, you really can in, in some ways. In two categories. One category would be the forgiven. The other category would be the unforgiven. All right? Not because the Lord hasn't loved them and paid the price for their sins. It's just they haven't received it yet. Okay, So which category would you be in? The forgiven or the unforgiven? And by the way, you're not going back and forth. For the believer now, you get put into a category where you are labeled, defined, grouped as the forgiven. Do the forgiven ever do wrong things? Yes, does that put them back in the unforgiven category? No, 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 no. You're not changing families. We're not changing status. We're still the forgiven. Okay, and I'm going to get to how, how we deal with that. But it's important that we never see ourselves back there. I'm talking to believers now. If you're not a believer yet, you're still over there. And uh, good news, there's a door. And uh, and an open invitation, all right? Because the Lord wants you in. All right, so... Uh, we, we would be in that forgiven category. There are other names we could give it. We could define this a hundred different ways. We would call this category the healed. We would call that the infirmed, the sick, the diseased. Now again, when a believer has a problem in their body, they are not coming at it from, I am the sick trying to get healed. They come at it from, I am the healed appropriating the rights of my redemption. Amen. Amen. I want to experience all that he's given me. But I'm not, that, that's not the definition of my life. I am not the cursed. If you were to call, call it cur, uh, blessed and cursed, right? I'm not the cursed seeking the Lord to bless me. No. When I got saved, came into the family, I, and when we could give scriptures on all these things, Ephesians chapter 1 is an example. Uh, I am in the category of the blessed. Say, well, some people who are blessed, they don't look blessed. That's totally true. And that's why I'm working night and day. To help individuals experience the reality of what they really have. Enjoy the blessings, the the benefits of being a child of God. Because what is, spiritually, isn't always their experience, but that's where we're trying to connect the dots, make the connection, so our experience lines up with who we are. Yeah? Yeah. Again, you could call this, you could say uh, that we are the saved, the healed, the forgiven, the blessed, the rich, the separated, the redeemed, the, the sanctified. What category are we in? So whenever we are dealing with sin, and I'm talking about a behavior now, something that we do wrong, that crosses the line, that misses the mark, we're doing it as a saved person, as a forgiven person, and so, uh, I don't want to fall into the category where I'm men- mentally viewing myself as I'm a bad person now doing bad things. No, you're a holy person who messed up. This is a difference between an old covenant, first part of the Bible, and the new covenant. All right? In the Old Testament, what they did, and it was God's instructions, not the whole Old Testament. Not the first couple thousand years, but the second couple thousand years. They were, the, they were given the law of Moses, the Ten Commandments. They were given the sacrificial system, all right? Sinned, animals had to die. They were sacrificing animals to cover their sin. The blood, the life of one gave temporary status and protection to God's people, all right? But also what happened in the middle of that is every time they killed an animal, every time they had a sacrifice, it was a reminder to them that they were sinners. It was a reminder to them that they were not good enough. It would would bring what was called a sin consciousness. Know that he is holy and you have messed up royally. And so they would have this practice again and again to reinforce that. Let Let me show you in Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10 and, and, and verse 1, Hebrews 10, 1, it reads, For the law, having a shadow of good things to come, and not the very image of the things, can never with these same sacrifices, which they offer continually, year by year, make those who approach perfect. In other words, it covered them for a while. It allowed God to bless them to a degree, but it never totally solved the problem. It It could not cause them to be born again. Verse 2, for then they would not have ceased to be offered, for the worshipers once purified would have had no more consciousness of sins. But in those sacrifices, there is a reminder of sins every year. So it's say, what it's saying here is what Jesus did, that couldn't do. Those sacrifices reminded them of sins. Jesus' sacrifice was designed to put away a consciousness of sins completely. So where we could literally walk around feeling like, huh, I'm a child of God. I am in the family, I am free, I'm forgiven, I'm holy, I'm righteous, God has made me. Uh, this is amazing. But they were designed to remind him of sin. So what we want to watch out for is that our behavior, even in dealing with wrongdoing that we, that we get involved in, is not putting us back into the category of the old covenant reminder of sins. And I don't mean that we're going to start doing animals and stuff like that. I don't see people going to that extreme, but we do it in different ways. Sometimes it looks like this, where a person is just constantly asking the Lord to forgive them of their sins. It's like, well, didn't you accept the Lord already? Didn't you receive salvation? And then, you know, they pray for their meal, and we pray for our meal. Thank you, Lord. Blessed and sanctified by the word and prayer, right? Um, uh, They'll pray for the food. Thank you, Lord, for this food and forgive us of all of our sins. Wait Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Why'd you say that? In other words, did you do something? Well, no. Just, I don't know. I mean, maybe I did and I just don't know about it. Then why do you have a consciousness of sins that says, I just need to continually bring this up just in case? That's a sinner mentality. That's not a I'm saved mentality. Well, just in case. There is no just in case. That's not the way God relates to us now. Where we are viewed as sinful instead of forgiven. If you are talking about a specific problem, act, sin that you've committed, then good. And I'm going to get to that in a second. But just in a general sense, this is a ditch. It is a mentality that some people have where they are basically reinforcing bondage. They are giving themselves over to be a slave to sin even though Jesus said that they have been set free. Everybody okay? So the other side now, let's get to the other side of the road. The other ditch would be those that have no acknowledgment They do not deal with at all any behavior after they've received salvation. Because they say, I'm in the family, I've been born again, I'm right with God. And so they participate in wrongdoing and just kind of don't deal with it. They don't acknowledge it, they don't receive or appropriate their forgiveness. They're just, some have the mentality, well, I'm already forgiven so I don't want to even talk about anything sinful And they're not dealing with it. And because of that, they remain in bondage. There is a proper way to deal with these things that sets us free. I'm going to get to that in in, in a second. But forgiveness is still something to be received, even though it is a finished work by Jesus. Just like healing is a finished work by Jesus. That's why the scripture says, 1 Peter 2.24, by his stripes we were healed. As far as God's concerned, it's already done. Does it still need to be received? Well, yeah, that's why we teach. That's why we pray. That's why we lay hands. That's why we have gifts of the Spirit. All these things are set in motion so we can take what already exists and make it our reality. It's also true concerning forgiveness. Even though it's already done from God's standpoint, it's already paid in full. Jesus shed his blood. He paid the full price. There is an appropriation of what he did to make it our present tense reality. If we don't do that, we remain in bondage. And we struggle. So, Man, I can't stop doing that. Man, I, I shouldn't do that. And I know I shouldn't do that, but I keep doing the same thing again. It's really no different. Then healing and the, and, and the other blessings of God, they still need to be received in this life. Forgiveness is still a present tense activity of God, not just a past tense accomplishment of the cross. Let me show you one verse just in case I, I, I'm getting those looks. Some are going, I don't, and others are saying, huh, I don't know. Here's James, James 5, James five fifteen. Notice what it says. This is James. So he's a pastor and he's writing to Christians. Saved people. He's not writing to the world. He said in the prayer of faith will save or heal the sick. Heal who? To believers that are already technically healed. He said the prayer of faith will heal them. So it's done and yet it's still being received. And the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, they've already been forgiven. No. If they've committed sins, he will be forgiven. Look at that, present tense. You say, wasn't it already done in Jesus on the cross? Yes, that's why they can be forgiven. But it doesn't mean that sins committed by a Christian should be ignored, should be like, well, I'm just going to act like I didn't do it because I'm already saved. We're not talking about salvation. That scripture is not talking about heaven and hell. Other scriptures that deal with our present tense, Dealing with wrong behavior are not talking about eternity. They're not talking about heaven and hell. We can look at scriptures that say we are. And we find others that say we will be. Colossians chapter 2 is, is an example of that. Colossians 2.13. And you being dead in your trespasses. And the uncircumcision of your flesh. He has made alive together with him. just Jesus being raised from the dead. Having forgiven you all your trespasses. Well, according to that, all my trespasses have already been forgiven through Jesus. And yet, for the person who's already been fully forgiven, there is still a present tense activation or receiving of God's grace and forgiveness for a specific issue. For certain sins committed. Now, I'm saying all this for a reason. You might think, what does this have to do with anything? This has to do with getting free or living free from the bondage of sin. Not just receiving eternal life, because that's really not our our subject. It is about the person who has received eternal life, who is positionally free from all the junk and all the curse and all the bondage, still struggling with it. And just like I would preach, as, and I do, long and hard and strong, and I'll pray with every amount of faith I have to get cancer off of someone's body, because I hate it. And God hates it. And he wants it out. It's the same thing when it comes to behavioral aspects. When Christians are, are struggling and they're in bondage and they're an idiot again and again. I meant that in a nice way. Because I've been that idiot too. You know, that, that meaning they act the wrong way again and again and again. Why don't you quit? They're in bondage to it. But it's not because God is enforcing it. It's not because, well, the Lord hasn't set me free. Yes, he has. But there is an appropriating of this. There is a taking. There is a, a, a seeing that it's there and I can have it. That changes us. And we're no longer subject to these different issues. All right. It, it would be like if I, if I sin against my wife. I do treat her in a wrong way. What would be my appropriate response? What, what should I do, do with that wrong behavior towards her? Should I just waive the marriage license? We're good. Let me check the paper. Still married. Deal with it. Now, how many know if I treat her wrong, that doesn't, that doesn't abolish the marriage. We are still married. But that's probably not the best way to deal with it. I should still ask her to forgive me for my wrong behavior, for my stupidity. Forgive me. Why? Because we're not married if we don't? No, we're still married. That's not the issue. It's like the issue with eternal life. You mean I'm not going to heaven if I don't deal with this sin? No, no, if you've already received salvation, that's not even on the table. A a child may need to ask their parents. uh, A son may need to ask his parents to forgive him for something he did wrong. But does the son's status in the family hinge on that request for forgiveness? No, still a son still in the family we're just talking about relationally that'd be a good idea and 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 uh, we should appropriate the forgiveness of God in our own lives if we don't our heart gets hard, our heart gets calloused the devil beat us over with our head with a stick huh it's not relationally responsible to just say well I'm forgiven in Christ I'm a new creation so I'm not going to deal with it It is a very big issue that should be handled appropriately. All right, look at 1 John with me, if you would. The book of 1 John, towards the back of the book. 1 John, chapter 1. I have much to say, little time to say it. Let's believe together, because this last few minutes here, last 10 minutes or so, I want to share with you some uh, powerful stuff. All right? In 1 John, chapter 1, and verse 9, You might be familiar with it, but it reads, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Now watch. Many people are familiar with that verse. That is not establishing a ritual that we should all go through every day. Every time you pray for your food, make sure you confess your sins. It is not some practice that I need to do, almost like if you've been a Catholic and they have the confessionals, is that what you call those? And uh, where you go and confess your sins and then you're good. That's not what that is. That's not how we should deal with it. Sometimes Christians do wrong and they confess their sins to the Lord and they feel better about it because I did what what the scripture there said. And so, and I'm not saying they're not forgiven. They are forgiven, but many times still in bondage. They're still subject to that behavior. It still rules them. It still dominates them. We're not talking about heaven or hell. Heaven or hell. This passage is written to Christians. I know there are some who have taught that this first chapter is not written to Christians, but you would never tell a sinner, an unbeliever, to confess their sins so they go to heaven. Right? For one, that's impossible. To confess all your sins? You know that's impossible. No way you remember them all. <laughs> Secondly, the Scripture tells us that the way a person goes from, from uh, sinner to saint, from lost to saved, is by confessing Jesus as Lord. Not confessing who we are confessing, who He is to, in us. Yeah? So, this passage is written to Christians and saying, if we confess our sins, we can't let that just be an Old Testament sacrifice or I'm going to confess my sins again. Almost like some ritual where we do and it's basically making us sin conscious again. I'm reminded every time, every day I do this and all I'm reminded of is I'm a rascal and I'm I'm missing the mark. That's not the design of this. It's designed to get us free. Okay. The word confess. Greek word homologeo. Two words, homo, same, logeo, to say, confess, to agree with, to acknowledge, to say the same thing. If I confess my sin, I'm saying the same thing as who? As God. Basically, I want to come into agreement with God about whatever I do. What does the Lord say about that sin? Here's what he says. And there are two parts to this. The first thing he says, it's wicked, it's evil, it is abhorrent, it is beneath you, it's what Jesus died for, it is dark, it is, uh, it is deadly. In other words, I don't want to view this as light. I want to say, how does the Lord see this behavior? You want to know how he sees it? He hates it. And I want to agree with him To where I can say at the same time, you know what? I hate it too. Even if you have to say that by faith, because your flesh says, I kind of like it. You make a decision, and you say, I hate this. It's beneath me. It's not who my father is. It's not who he created me to be. Absolutely not. I despise it. This is wicked. I hate it. I'm not going to treat it light. I'm not going to act like it's no big deal. Everyone's doing that. No big deal. You know, there's no curve. We're not grading on a curve here. It's just wrong. And if I will call it what it is, that's the first step. And say, this is wicked, this is evil. I, I don't want anything to do with this. Do you ever do you ever have that conversation with the Lord? It'd be helpful. Been struggling with something again and again and again. Look it in the eye and say, absolutely not. This is no way who I am. It's not who God is. So I agree with him that it's bad. And secondly, I agree with him that it's been paid for in full through the blood of his son. That Jesus shed his blood and he defeated it. He conquered it. He paid the price for it. He ripped it of its dominion, power, and, and a right to rule me. And Jesus was sufficient. His sacrifice was was enough, so it will no longer dominate me, rule over me, it will no longer remain in my life. I believe there is the, you know, it's like there's the punch of sin, and then there's the, then there's the knockout punch of God's grace. It is not even an equal fight. I'm going to call it horrible. Oh, it's awful. It's dark. I'm going to say, but the grace of God, kaboom. Yeah, not even a fair fight. Not even a measured match. This is like, you know, the batter who gets up in baseball, and uh, Jesus is on the mound. And he throws the first pitch, and the batter says, I quit baseball. Not only only am I going to strike out, no, I'm not even in this game anymore. It's the Old Testament, remember, the enemy comes in like a flood, and the Lord raises up a standard against him. Jesus feeding the multitudes, and not only did everyone get a full stomach, did everyone get fed well, the boy was sent home with a week's worth of lunges. Yeah, it's God who always does too much, always over the top. Sin abounds, grace does much more abound. So I want to say about sin that I've committed, that I may have committed many times, the same thing the Lord says. It's horrible, it's awful, but your power is so much greater this, is, this would be the area where someone might plead the blood. you know that, that phrase it's not really a, that's not a biblical phrase, but the principle is there. Uh, this is where I stand before the High Court of heaven they say, "So you've been accused of uh, theft and lying and cheating and whatever and uh, how do you plea? What do you plead? Uh, <laughs> they're looking for innocent or guilty I'm saying blood." how do you play blood in other words <laughs> doesn't matter doesn't matter cuz his blood was more powerful and greater than anything that i've ever done anything i've ever done wrong and and, and so let me give you this one more word this is this is the one, one of the most important things to say today you all know this word it's called repentance repentance we say when we give our lives to the lord i repent of my sins That means we turn from it, we change. It's a needed component in the freedom that we experience from the bondage or the control that sin has in our lives, if it does. It's called repentance. Some confess their sins, but they don't fully repent of their sins. And the word repent means this. This is the simple definition, but I want to give you the bigger one. So you get it. The simple one is it's a change of mind. That's what literally what the word means is a change of mind. But I was reading from a Greek scholar, uh, Rick Renner, and he writes this about repentance. He said, when the words meta and naus, to the two Greek words, are combined together, the new word depicts a decision to completely change the way one thinks, lives or behaves. This doesn't describe a temporary emotional sorrow for past actions. Rather, it is a solid intellectual decision to turn about face and take a new direction to completely alter one's life by discarding an old destructive pattern and embracing a brand new one. True repentance involves a conscious decision both to turn away from sin, selfishness, and rebellion, and to turn toward God with all of one's heart and mind. It is a complete 180-degree turn in one's thinking and behaving. And I really think that there are individuals who have been held captive to certain destructive behaviors And one of the keys that you're lacking is a very serious heart-to-heart before God that says, it is what it is. This is the confession part. Jesus did what he did, and I abhor this. And by your grace, I am not going to be this way. I'm not going to live this way. I'm not going to submit myself to these things any longer. But I'm turning around. I'm going a new way. I'm going a new direction. Instead of a casual, Lord, forgive me my sin. Well, it might be too flippant to to really describe what the Bible talks about in repentance. Are you forgiven? Sure. Are you losing your salvation over that? No. Are you possibly still in bondage? Yes. And when someone deals with things in a sincere, heartfelt, I'm turning away from this manner, they access the grace of God, which provided for Je- by Jesus on the cross, to change. I'm not talking about willpower. Well, I'm just going to will myself to not be that way anymore. No, we're talking about intersecting, with something that is far beyond our own ability, our mentality. We're talking about God-level stuff here that changes us to where next time that happens, I react different. Next time I'm tempted here, wow, it's different now. I can say no. Now, some some don't want to do this because, because they feel like a hypocrite. What if I say all that? What if I take the Lord serious like this and I really deal with it and then I do it again? Don't be led by fear. Believe this. Believe it as much as if you were dying of a disease, how you have to hold on to the horns and say, I believe by his stripes I'm healed. Believe that by his stripes you were set free. So what if I, you know, if you want, okay, if you really want an answer to that, the Lord will be merciful to you again. It's not one and done. He'll give you another chance, but I'm approaching this like I would any prayer. I believe that I receive my victory now. And I am no longer going to be held in bondage to the way I used to be. Hallelujah. And you'll watch, uh, you'll watch addictions People are addicted to different things, smoking stuff and drinking stuff. And 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 you'll watch watch that. That'll change. I see this right now as I'm preaching. There's a demonic stronghold that has held people in bondage. And even though you're saved and you're on your way to heaven, he's still got you under the gun and he's still holding you down. And you're in bondage to that. But there is a way out and it is accessing God's amazing grace for a lifestyle change. And when you do this, you will see a freedom, you will see a victory that you will experience no other way. It's not just about, this is more powerful than going through a program. This is more powerful than just trying your hardest to do better. This is intersecting God's amazing grace and His power to set you free. It's there and it's available for every one of us all the time. And my heart is that we could get it. I know some would say, well, are we really supposed to repent in the New Testament? I mean, after salvation, is there really a repentance that we need to do? Some theologically struggle with that. If you read the book of Revelation, Jesus gave messages to seven churches, and five of them he he said to them, you guys need to repent of this and this and this. It is a New Testament practice even for the believer who has been sucked back into bondage. So if we'll access it, I tell you what, the power of God gets set free. Gets, not the power of God gets loosed to set us free. Amen. All right, pray with me today. Let's take just a, let's take just a couple moments in this prayer. And I want to be doers of the word. I'm not going to call you up. I'm not going to ask you to uh, confess your sin before all. If you got stuff going on in your life, I tell you. He's present in here to help, to strengthen, to deliver. Say the same thing that he says about it. Both sides. Both sides. Let there be a a true 180 in your heart where you're going a different direction. Father, thank you for these now. I thank you that you love every single person. You love us so much that you gave your only son. I thank you now that as people are accessing your very grace, as they are acknowledging, as they are are coming into agreement with you about sinfulness, that they are accessing your mighty delivering power. There's a freedom. There's a deliverance. There's a new day. A new day. Hallelujah. Like it's been cloudy for years now the sun's coming out father I thank you for your freedom I declare and pronounce over them and I release my faith with theirs and declare death to sin and alive to him victory over every bondage, over every addiction over every struggle, over every habit, over every sinful pattern in their life, today we walk away in Jesus name we give you all the praise we give you all the glory we give you all the honor and all the thanks in Jesus' name in Jesus' name in, G- in Jesus' name do this with me in faith I'm telling you this sometimes, many times when I lay hands on people for healing I feel the power of God in my hands it's strong healing goes into people it's literally the anointing of God it's just as much the same right now concerning this And we're not even talking about healing in the physical body. It's just as strong. Because it's the same power. It's the same anointing. So everyone do this. Just in faith. Put your hands on yourself in some way. You're laying hands on yourself. Father, we receive right now. The power of God that enables us to stand and live victorious over all sin, over all bondage, over all affliction and every curse we receive and appropriate. All that Jesus died for right now. Hallelujah. And we are free. And we are strengthened. And we are lifted. And we are resurrected. And we are made whole. Oh, we give you praise. Thank you that your power and your grace goes through every person, spirit, soul, and body to enjoy their victory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.